Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast. I know so many of you listening to this show love your local bar, your local restaurant, maybe your local hotel, and have so many fond memories of time in hospitality businesses. This is the podcast where we get to chat to the human beings behind the scenes of that industry. Maybe the chefs or the bakers or the coffee roasters or the gin distillers or the craft brewers or the entrepreneurs, but all doing an amazing job of making sure that hospitality stays interesting and the big dull formulaic brands do not take over our high street please enjoy the show In this week's podcast, we are talking to the legendary rapper and coffee maker extraordinaire, Jimmy Cregan, co-founder of Jimmy's Ice Coffee. Uh, we're going to chat about how looking at a builder's backside was literally the catalyst that led to his version of ice coffee that is now stocked in pretty much every UK supermarket, and how Jimmy has his eyes set on global domination, including Ireland, Sweden, Dubai, Australia, and more. Uh, we also chat about some of the crazy things that Jimmy does to spread the word about his drink including talking to audiences actually dressed as a carton and orchestrating what's known as a massive activation at a mainline railway station uh, we're going to find out how it felt for jimmy when he needed to step away from the role of md and handing his company over to someone who hadn't seen it grow up i very much hope you enjoy this week's conversation Jimmy, thank you for sparing the time uh, to join me on this podcast. Take two. Can uh, I do the jingle again? Yeah, go on. Go on. That is epic. Thanks. I'm going to pay you the 50 quid you told me about two minutes ago. Uh, I've got a confession. Uh, I, I, we just started, just luckily, a few minutes ago, and I didn't press the record button like a novice. But Jimmy's going to uh, forgive me. And uh, and we started, Jimmy, by saying, look, I am in your uh, awesome head office, not sat in a cupboard. Can you just set the scene as to uh, as to where we are and how long you've been here? Well, not you've been here. How long have you been here? <laughs> how long I'm going to keep cupboard. you here, locked in this yeah. cupboard. Yeah, so this cupboard is actually our merch room where we sell uh, merchandise funnily enough and um it's not the most glamorous of places but the rest of the office is pretty cool so we're in uh we are at unit one industrial beaver estate on eight airfield road um google map that it's behind mcdonald's we're in the most uninspiring area of christchurch but we've we've polished the royal turd and it actually feels quite good here google maps actually knows where you are now i actually left early today because any other time i've tried to come here i can't find it but finally you are actually on a map yeah which is great yeah, yeah. progress compared to a few years ago yeah we um we have the most amazing digital lady called Amy and we said um, do you mind just like doing that pinpointy thing on Google and she's like yeah it's kind of already done so okay it is much helpful much as you normally you know d- deliver your produce to us but anybody who does want to come and see you uh, can now do so easier yes. so uh, yeah it's a pretty cool space how long have you been here and, and upstairs in particular you know, what, what goes on here how many people are here so we've been here for about four years there's um, about 18 of us here and that range, that's basically everyone from finance, logistics, operations, um, marketing, digital, creative, events, and a few others. And I'm going to get beaten for not pointing anyone else out. Yeah, but, like a thank you speech. Where yeah. You, and anyone else who knows me. Yeah. And the bridesmaids. That... You all look stunning <laughs> yeah. today. Good work. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the crew. Yeah. 18 of us. We all eat breakfast here. We all have lunch here. We all hang out, chat do our thing and uh we've got heaps of trees and fun stuff so it's, it's a not you spend so much so many hours working it's nice to work in a in a decent 
kind of environment. Yeah, it yeah. has got a, a proper kind of like buzzy energy up there, haven't you? And you've even got your own goals in the oven, I noticed, in the corner. We so have, thanks to Tom cool. Hero. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you have your own sort of Gosney chef in there as well? Or have you he, all... he, uh, Tom actually came and cooked for us a couple of times because um, he's he's obviously just the pizza god and that rings true. He is the pizza god. And we've actually got one of his rock boxes as well at home Amazing. Um, that we take down to the beach in the summer and, and cook in our pizzas on his rock box is like... It's off the scale. Food's yeah. just ridiculous. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, Simon, good. my uh, we bought him one for his wedding. Actually, one of my guys, Simon, bought nice. him a, uh, a rock box, which is cool. So actually, that reminds me, I bought it. I think on the condition that he invited me to the beach to enjoy pizza. I don't think I've had that invite <laughs> yet. So come with me, me. But Simon, if you're listening, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't need you anymore, Simon. I'm going. Damn for dinner. you to hell, Simon. Going for dinner with Jimmy. So um, you are of uh, you know ice coffee fame, and I do want to talk about the story of how you set up. But it's kind of like where do you start? You're you're so involved with so much cool stuff from kind of you know rap music to amazing merchandise we're surrounded by and i thought the, the only place that i can start really is cars because okay. you've got so many or you did have I, w- I would be driving around town and i would see these amazing kind of jimmy's branded cars and i'd be thinking as a man that drove around australia uh, i think i did twenty thousand miles in a 1971 v-dub combi nice i loved it um but every three thousand miles i had to kind of like you know take the engine apart and put it back together and service it yeah and i thought how the bloody hell can jimmy <laughs> run his delivery service on these like amazingly cool cars that i think if my memory's right probably don't start very often don't have any heating uh probably cause some some problems do they did they i was quite relieved when i called up in the car park and you had a new van outside and i was like okay so yeah what's what, where's the car obsession come from um i think it actually comes from dubai because I, I grew up in the middle east and the coolest cars in dubai were mercedes and toyota land cruiser and I'm, just, I'm i'm like fascinated in those two particular brands but then um and i i actually grew up with a really cool swedish guy called hampus and his dad was infatuated with american classics and he used to have a cadillac he had an old ambulance he had a jeep wrangler um he had a couple of other cars and we i used to go around his house and just sit in these cars all day and smell like the leather and the, the kind of old school american interior kind of thing so we we um we knew that he was actually selling one of his trucks when he moved back to Sweden. So we picked up one of those. That's a Ford F one hundred pickup. That's a nineteen seventy three. It's a five litre V eight. It's filth. Drove it home and actually took took it to Christchurch Tires to get the the tires redone. And the and the chap said, "How far have you driven to change these tires? Because these are these are literally they should have exploded." Do you know? In fact, they're at. They, he said they're they're twenty seven years old. I said, I've just driven from Sweden. And he was just like, oh, my God, you, you, you're crazy. Um, so luckily, they didn't burst. Um, and then we got, um, I got an old uh, T200 Mercedes estate. It's a W123. That's real beaut. It's a little rust bucket. I've just bought my wife, Soph, uh, Jeep Cherokee, which is real sweet. It's an old one. So you know, none of these cars cost a lot of money, but yeah. they're, just, they're just old school. And they just they don't rad. cost a lot of money when you buy them. Do they end up costing a lot of money when you keep them on the road or um, uh, not too bad? No, they're actually okay. We had a, we had a Ford S-Max, which I've just beautifully parted ways with. I hate, I hate the thing. And it's all about ECUs and computers and the battery would drain every night. I had to bump start it literally every single morning with jump leads. And it just got into a routine like eating cereal and then go outside and jump start the car. Um, so I'm not a fan of those of those new Fandango ones. I'd much rather have something that's just an engine with spark plugs and a ga- and a I don't even know what I'm talking about, but like a really <laughs> really standard basic engine. Yeah. Um, and then fortunately the guys upstairs, you, uh, James Scudamore, who's our um, our uh, 
creative assistant. He's really into V-Dub, so he's got a bug in our second unit. Steve, our finance guy, has got a, an old SL, which is being fixed. He's got a rally car that he did um, the Pan America rally in two years ago, which he won, and now that's back at the rally place getting serviced. Um, and then, yeah, everyone's kind of into that kind of stuff. And we've also got an old Land Cruiser over there and a uh, big Merc fan and stuff. And they're, yeah, they, they just, they give you so much pleasure because like, new cars now, they just, they're just so boring and they have to conform to aerodynamics and all these safety tests, but then you can rock around in essentially like a house brick, a V8 house brick. And, uh, it's it's just fun. It's yeah. way way better. Cool. And and uh, presumably you didn't <clears throat> set up Jimmy's Ice Coffee thinking this will be a really good route for some amazing cars. It just kind of happened. I, I just love the fact that you've managed to keep that passion alive when a lot of businesses would end up going, oh no, we've got to get a corporate fleet of I don't know whatever caddy vans or something like that. But uh, oh, we, we we do actually have that. We've got a um, we've got about we've got four transit vans. All ranging of different sizes. Um, so our, our local guy, Matty P, who sells into local places like yourselves, Urban, Reach, uh, Urban Reef, um, he drives that around and he's got to have something reliable and where he can pump music and dial into Bluetooth and all that kind of stuff. Then we've got another guy called James Wheeler who checks out all of the compliance just to make sure that we're actually on shelf in all these supermarkets. So one minute he's in Bristol, one minute he's in Brighton, so he needs a reliable wagon. And then we've got a crew cab um, transit so that we can go and do big missions and then we've got a transit normal one that we can load up with gear and you know for example we're going to we're going to boots in waterloo this sunday to do a massive activation and um we can we, we can use that van for that we wouldn't dare take right. the american pickup to that because yeah. a we'd we'd probably spend about two grand on fuel and b you'd arrive on the back of an aa van <laughs> exactly so what? maybe we won't be spending that money on fuel yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah as long as you've got Let's you've got good cover yeah. perfect i don't I, i've got to ask i can't just let you go you're going to boots to do a massive activation what is this you're activating what the, the, the um the so what we, is that? we are is in oh it's kind of like um <laughs> it's like um experiential marketing stuff so where you you you're physically you physically have a presence somewhere so okay. do you know do you know waterloo boots yes it's got like where a the little, trains go i know we're in the country yeah but, uh, so um, is, yeah it's in got london it's got a big it's yeah. got a big foyer that um, that Network Rail own, but yes, it's kind I'm of part you. of Boots. Yeah. So we're doing a big thing in there. We're going to be sampling every day from like during the rush during the morning and then in the evening, um, handing cool. out free cards to people, letting them know that we exist, and then hopefully people find out that you can also get us in Whistlestop and the MNS there as well. Um, That's a cool location. Is that is that again <clears throat> the business in me can't not ask these kind of questions. So is that off the back of a Boots thing? Because to, to pay to be in Waterloo Station. Doing Jimmy's iced coffee presumably would be about a million quid, but yeah, if you normally, do it with boots who are already there, you get I it for that's free. Quite helpful, but wow. don't tell anyone else. Okay, yeah, don't we'll let this podcast it. go anywhere. Well, no, yeah. Well, you've got to do the hard graph first, and presumably get into boots. I mean, they know you're coming, right? They're oh not- god, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been we've been there. We've been in boots for the last year or so. Yeah. Um, so it's not like someone at home can listen and go, "I'm going to do. I'm just going to go and take my shit to boots." Yeah. In Waterloo and say, are you stocked in there? It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Why would we be doing this in the first place? That's cool, isn't it? So it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be real cool. Amazing. Good. Okay. Thank you. And we should probably move away, otherwise it will sound like an episode of Top Gear. Um, but weirdly, the other thing that I always think about with you, and it's twofold, I either I either see a builder uh, bending down uh, and think of you, or I th- think of you, and then I, in my head I see a builder uh, bending down and his ass cracked. <laughs> Do you want to just explain, because it feels a bit weird, do you want to explain why uh, why that happens? Because that's kind of, I think, from memory, the trigger part, part point of the reason, as to why yeah. all of this exists. You're not the only reason. <laughs> yeah, no. But, uh, um, why, Jimmy? Why do I look at you and think of a builder's ass? Um, I have no idea. No, that's what's the next question. <laughs> please, don't, please don't leave me hanging there. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a case of um, you're either plateauing in life, you're either spiralling up and having the best time, or you're heading down. Um, and at one stage in my life, I was just 
careering out of control and ready for a kind of rock bottom finish. Um, and that was just because I was just doing dead end jobs. So part of my winter life down in Bournemouth was being a labourer and working with, um, you know, build old builder dudes and you're being paid like really rubbish money. You're, I mean, outside work is fine, but when you're humping bricks around all day, it gets pretty repetitive and pretty tiring and quite mind numbing. Um, and then the summer job was doing the festival circuit, being on stages, shouting at people, wearing various different costumes. And, you know, one day I'd it was it was the trigger point. It was actually just seeing one of these old dudes bend over and just seeing the full builder's bum on show. And I just kind of thought, this is such a load of horseshit. And kind of realised, well, my whole life just flashed before my eyes. I'm just kind of slow clapping myself going, Jim, you know, congratulations, man. You Look at you. Take a look. You're, you're 27. Well done. You've got yourself a degree. You've done all these amazing things. But you're staring at that old guy's bum for 50 quid a day. I mean, this is just, this is, again, it's horseshit. You need to sort yourself out so that was my spurring moment to get on out of here um so that's that's yeah. the builder's bum so story that's why yeah. and that was the trigger and then that was then traveling that came off the back of that wasn't it Is yeah that's that was that was literally and- as, as soon as we could afford we actually we didn't even afford it i got a credit card and we put flights on a credit card because that's a real big lesson is rather than saving up for something yeah. just buy it <laughs> okay. and then you know you have to work to pay it off particularly with a great message for the kids i'm glad you ended with the then you have to work not just if you want something yeah. get a credit card just, and just buy get it. a credit card and buy it perfect yeah. no but the good thing was we we booked it in like july our tickets to go to Oz for November and then we knew that we had to save every penny in between July and November because by the time we got to Oz we didn't want to have to work again um, for the rest of our lives because we'd obviously retired on working in a bar and staring at an old guy's bum um, but yeah we had saved up enough money to fly and then get there and be able to buy a 4x4 and, and then just hoon around the country surfing hanging out drinking parking in the most amazing spots being chased by spiders and having the most epic time and stumbling across ready to drink iced coffee. Yeah. And was that your first iced coffee? Because again, like I say, I'm a, I'm a little bit aware of your story and I'm going to get more into kind of like, you know, what's happening now because yeah. I know you've told it a few times. But was that the was that the first? Had you had iced coffee before or was it literally is your first memory of it? It was, it was the first, first time I'd ever seen it. And, and what's kind of weird is it obviously existed in the supermarkets here in the UK before I left. But it, none of the branding or none of the packaging or none of the products on shelf even looked at me and said, hey, Jim, check me out, because they were just so uninspiring. So when I went to Oz and found one that did look at me and go, hey, Jim, check me out, I was like, woo-wee, you are hot or cold. Um, <laughs> so I picked one of those out of the fridge. Just like, shit, I really like the design. I really like the packaging. And then when I actually drank the product, I was like, oh, my God, this is the most ice-cold, refreshing, caffeinated thing I've ever had in my life. And then I was like, right, I'm hooked. And then how do I get this from... Australia to the UK and so I wrote to this company who owned this brand called Farmers Union Ice Coffee and I was like dudes I'm a part-time mermaid shouting at people on a microphone I stare at old guys bums for a living but I've just found your iced coffee give me your license I want to come to the UK make it myself make some money stop staring at old guys bums and um and crack on but they said no four times in a row and that then made me even more hungry just to start it off myself and then it kind of kind of did. Then it, then it happened. Do yeah. you ever go back to them? Have they ever got in touch? You've told this story a few times. They've come back and they go, are we that coffee company and we're really sorry? Yeah, or? they. Um, it was actually the senior brand manager for this for this farmers union company sent us an email and just said, first of all, I, I apologise for for not taking you seriously because you've obviously done a really good job in the UK and, um, I just, and, and also wanted to like... Um, he was really thankful and just said, "This is. I'm so glad that we can, um, we we kind of 
triggered your brain to go and start a whole cool. new career and new lifestyle Amazing. and everything. And yeah. we ended up having a really, really cool chat. That's he was cool. a really, really how, good dude. How, how long into setting up Jimmy's was that? Oh, about three, three and a half years. That's pretty cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so they may maybe been watching from the sidelines. And then because I feature or talk about Farmers Union so much, it must yeah. get picked up in searches and stuff like that online. Um, and so I guess that's kind of that's how they pretty, found us. And they were cool. like, oh, man, and, good yeah. on you. Keep going. Yeah, good. You, do you export at all yet? Or? Um, we will export to Oz soon and we will, will overtake sales of Farmers <laughs> Union Nice Coffee. <laughs> Is that an actual fact? Um, uh, well, it's a pre-fact, yeah. yeah. Let's call it. No, I don't know yet. We'll see. I mean, you know what? The but dream The dream for me would be to, to set up an office in Oz because I, really I genuinely cool. love that place. It's it's hot. It's yeah. it's rad. It's there's the surf all day. It's you can travel so much. You can off road like wherever you want. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of off roading, and here you you know you see a puddle and you drive through it and you get excited. But mm. in Oz, you can actually properly go. You can get lost yeah. and find the most amazing places with no one around. Like Tasmania, for example, we just did that. You'd, well, that looks interesting. And you peel off the main road and before you know it, you feel like you're in Jurassic Park. And then you turn up to a beach where there's waves and there's no one there. And you're just like, okay, well, this is the best thing in the entire world ever. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm guilty, as you've just seen me putting into your car park, of having a discovery and going, oh, look, puddle and, and like cool car. <laughs> and worse than that, I've done some of their off-road days. So they, it's a Land Rover. Oh, We've cool. got these kind yeah, of yeah, days yeah. where they take you off and they teach you about what your car can do. Yeah. And there's no getting away from the fact it's amazing but I'm like when am I ever going to put on that hill descent control take my feet off all of the pedals and then like inch by inch it's going to creep me down the edge of the sea road down to Boscombe you know what the only time that it does get used <laughs> when it snowed and there was all that ice and snow last year I was the only smug git going around Amazing. but having that car and justifying it for about 45 minutes every, yeah. every five or six years is a bit weird discover will, more tarmac perfect yeah, I was going to try and sort of justify it a little bit more by saying that I've got a caravan and then I realised that I'm only going to get less and less cool in this conversation That's so, so true yeah. so I should probably just quit bring that bit up. And, and say that I did commute to the Urban Reef earlier on an electric skateboard just as the, as the kind of contrary nice. to that which was which, yeah. which, which was good fun. So, um, so, so we'll fast forward a little bit. Uh, I, I particularly remember, and I, and I have this flashback, and it's, it's quite cool of you and I. I don't know, maybe it was like seven years. No, because uh, what year? What year did you set up? Uh, twenty eleven. We started. Twenty eleven. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so maybe it was six or seven years ago. Yeah. It stood on the urban reef deck. So it was early days for me, early yeah. days for you. Yeah. And I think I was out there doing a barbecue, and you were out there with kind of some eskies of. Uh, yeah, that's, of, we had of a little. We coffee. actually had a little um, gazebo that day. Yeah, it was like yeah. airfest kind of weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, and little did we know, stood there seven years ago next to each other, going, "Well, oh, this is pretty cool." You know, we're yeah. overlooking the ocean. You're going to flog a bit of coffee. I'm going to flog hopefully a couple we're of hot still dogs here, and a burger, which is the most we're still important thing, Jimmy, which yeah. is cool, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's really cool. But um. You know, just again, like what's what's different now? What's happened, and and how different is it to what you thought would happen in 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 that time frame between the deck and now? I suppose. Well, I, I well, you can never see, foresee into the future. I never had any idea of what it would be like, even from a sales point of view, from a staffing point of view, from any kind of point of view. You just have these kind of aims that we're just going to keep growing, and it'll be it'll be amazing. Um, so I guess. Those two things have happened. It's been amazing, uh, and we're still growing. Amazing in the fact that we get to not just meet people, but hire really, really cool people, and also learn a ton of stuff as well. You never ever stop learning. Um, so in that respect, it's been it's been epic. You know, seeing seeing you know when we work, we moved into this warehouse. It was just three of us, and we did feel you know we're just knocking around. There's no one here, and now the whole place is full, and we've got the most amazing MD called Rick, and he's. 
super helpful with actually doing proper targeting and funneling where the business needs to go and getting the sales team talking to the marketing team and then working with the finance team to make sure budgets are all right and online and setting proper deadlines and all that kind of stuff. I'm the kind of guy who goes, hey, dude, do you want to come and work with us because we're having fun? They turn up and you're like, oh, God, I've just done the completely wrong thing. Um, but then you kind of just get a little bit more serious and you hire the right people to do the right jobs and suddenly you've got a proper, proper business. So so if, if someone comes in and checks out our books, for example, they go, holy shit, you're like a proper legitimate business doing good things and it's all structured and it's all right and all from a stupid idea I had by seeing some iced coffee in a fridge in Oz. It's, it, that kind of thing baffles me quite a lot. Um, but it's good because you, you have to kind of think about that quite a lot, about the reason why you're doing things and it kind of refreshes your head as to the journey and where it's going yeah and when you started it did you did you presume you know were you trying to set something again oh this will be cool this will be like a lifestyle business i'll make a few quid happy days or were you pretty confident that it would end up being that that this was going to be a big thing kind of like available in every bloody waitress yeah that was the thing you know i just didn't like any of the products on the shelf um i'm not going to name any names one of them doesn't pay any tax or pays very little tax um and the thing is, for me, I, I was basically being selfish. I wanted to pick up my iced coffee wherever I went in the UK and beyond. So if I'm up in the Outer Hebrides and I've got a bit of a thirst on, I want to be able to go to my corner shop and pick up a Jimmy. So I don't want to pick up anything else. Um, so that's where the kind of hunger or thirst came from to to, to grow the business. Um, I think added to which, when you're working with a contract packing company who actually makes the product for you, they want volume from you. Otherwise, they'll just switch you off and go and find someone else who wants to sell loads. Um, and obviously, selling loads is better because you can get more money into the account and then reinvest into the company to hire more people and essentially have more fun doing what you're doing. Nice. Uh, I remember reading, I think probably slightly enviously at the time, and I can't remember, two or three years ago maybe, but I remember you did you did some publicity around when you first paid off your debt. And yeah. it was kind of like, whoa, we're debt free for the first time. And I think my mortgage was about 1.3 million on the business at the time. And I went, wow, I've probably got quite a way to go. Uh, so different business, but it really stuck in my mind. Has yeah. um, that continued to be the case? Have you needed to then go off and get finance in a different way to expand? Or are you, are you no, self-financed we've, we've now? No, we've been you're, self-financed. You're, you're, it was, it, was, it, was, it really free. was just mum okay, and dad the end who of the gave podcast, us... <laughs> the only reason I came. It yeah. was uh, it was just you know mum and dad gave us the first heap of money that we had and luckily we paid them back because it was it was like a loan and a shareholding at the same time. So we paid them back the money and then now they continued to be shareholders and they get dividends each month off the back of that too. And that for me was like our biggest thing. And then since then, you know, thanks to I don't know innovations in a bit of IT, so being able to do invoice discounting um, and then being able to, I mean, we use a company called Funding Circle whenever we need to get hold of a little bit of cash, but it's very rare we need to do that these days because Captain um, Excel Spreadsheet, Mr. Autosum, aka Steve McKay, our finance director, is squeaky bum with with money and it's he just keeps cash flow like on point. He's like a lunatic. He's so good at it. I, I, if it was up to me, I would probably be digging holes again um, on the financial side, but he's he's good at keeping those reins tight and he's, yeah. he's awesome and you so need that don't you somebody's got oh, to be on the numbers yeah. like a grown up yeah. who really properly enjoys numbers and then then draws you a picture of what the numbers mean yeah. right. <laughs> totally here's a, here's here's a, a picture here's, yeah. here's a picture of what yeah. all of that this is the car that you can't buy next yeah. month yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you, it's, you it's pretty much stuff. every car that you've ever not liked or liked you yeah. can't get so how's your what, what's your role now then now that you've surrounded yourself by, by some uh, nearly grown ups at least yeah uh, what, what's Jimmy's bit um, that's a good question actually um, at the beginning of the year I took a little bit of time out because I was just kind of knackered um, so I had about three months out and that was while the, uh, Rick our new MD came in 
And it was just amazing to be able to step completely vacant from the company. And I and I got into like a load of like hot yoga and doing a load of running and I stopped drinking booze and I actually, funnily enough, stopped drinking coffee as well. And it was actually a really nice kind of just proper break because I'd never actually taken proper time out. Because even on holiday, you kind of itch and scratch and you're worrying and you're checking your phone. And it's just like, geez, you just need to properly calm down, but it's quite hard. So I actually kind of forced myself into doing it. And I did that, which was great. And then I've come back into the business kind of two, three days a week, but now I'm back in full time. But I I can, if I need to leave at three so I can cycle and pick up my kids from school, then I can do that. And if I want to take my kids to school in the morning as well, then I can do that, um, which is what we're all here to do, you know, to, to be able to have a bit more flexibility in my work-life balance. That's what I've managed to achieve. Um, but predominantly within the business, it's doing things like being able to be more of an ambassador for the brand. So rather than keeping my head down and working on stuff that I'm actually not all that good at, I can go and do the stuff that I am good at. And that's kind of going and inspiring kids to set up their own businesses and things like that. And then kind of championing the brand and kind of being wheeled into big buyer meetings whenever we've got issues or something like that. So that's that's kind of my role now, which is way better than what it used to be. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, You're also, you're obviously on every carton. Do you have to do a lot of modeling work? Do they change the picture very often or is that? We've actually, it was, it was one photo, it was actually one picture and that picture has now gone because we've, we've been fighting with, I mean, it started out with me being a lunatic saying, hey, you should try our iced coffee. And that it's actually now, check out this iced coffee. It's, and it's kind of run by a lunatic. So actually the product and the ingredients and the, and all the other emotional reasons to buy the product come first, and then you check out about Jim later on. Okay, it's are, a you, much... are you not on the carton anymore? The face isn't the name is obviously because okay, yeah, it's yeah, still Jimmy's. Um, even on because you, I, I know you sort of went from the front for a little while, and then it was a sort of mini you on the back. Have you gone completely? Gone completely, yeah. Aww. So now it's more about the legacy and the kind of tone and the. And there's some and of those the... original cartons still around. Oh yeah, yeah, there's got to be a couple okay, in the drawer. Good, yeah, good. I actually um, there's a guy on social media who's recently said, um, "Will you give me some?" props and big love for me getting a tattoo of the man of the big man's face and we were all like oh my is this actually like real but apparently yeah there's a dude who's going to get the cartoon face that was on the side of the pack he's going to get it tattooed somewhere on the 28th of this month or something wow really so that's quite are you invited to the kind of like the launch or the uh the, no, the reveal no, no but i'm i'm kind of um i don't know I don't know why. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's a bit of the body you, you know, like there's definitely a bit you don't want to be on. I'm wondering. <laughs> I know exactly which bit that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but it'll be interesting That's to see. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. keep your eyes out on social that for someone thing, having a tattoo. That ends up on Instagram on my all of a sudden. Face. There's two and a half thousand people kind of, you know, getting yeah. Jimmy tattooed. Yeah. That could be cool. I remember seeing a guy I'm in the nightclub that I used to be an assistant manager of, and he had like Noel and Liam Gallagher tattooed on his back. Yeah. And then I think just like about a week later, they split up from Oasis or something, and you're kind of like, you can't do that to your back, can you? You can do that to Jim tiny... and pull them apart a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make them smile even more. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's kind of kind of weird yeah. Mm. yeah but interesting so um what was the trigger then when you uh when you went to um to put an md in place that's quite a big move because you know that was kind of your thing and you'd built it what made you decide to bring in somebody to run the company um or well, two things one just being totally exhausted doing stuff doing doing that role uh and then also actually realizing that you're not any good at that role so the md role um is the day-to-day proper hardcore kind of running of the company. And that involves hiring and firing and setting KPIs and targets and managing and making all the departments work and sing together all in harmony. And I'm just not that guy. I'm the guy who goes, oh my God, look at that product. Let's go and make it and run like a lunatic and get it made. Um, But then 
after that, when it's all established, you need people who are a lot more steady. You know, I can kind of be up and down and very, I'm very emotionally driven. Whereas, you know, Rick is, he's, he's, he's very emotionally driven, but he's, um, cause he, he loves the, loves the company, but he's very stable. Um, and he just knows exactly, I mean, he's trained in this kind of stuff. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to course correct stuff, make people get the best out of people. He's yeah. He's insane. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's amazing. Was that, was that hard to find somebody? Did, was it someone you knew? Did you just go out there and um, recruit? Or? I felt really bad cause he said to me, Oh Jim, we met at the uh, London coffee festival. I was like, Oh yeah, we did. And he's like, you don't remember that yeah. at all, do you? And unfortunately, I don't remember because you meet you meet thousands of people at trade shows. And yeah. Um, but yeah, he he uh, he was working. He was on the books of a uh, recruitment company that we were working with, and eventually he just kind of came in and he helped us out with the Tesco project for a few days. And we were like, oh, this guy's got way more credentials than just helping out with a small Tesco project because he was asking all these amazing questions that we weren't even answering ourselves or even asking ourselves. And we thought, actually, do you know, can you come in for like one, two, three, four, five days a week? In fact, do you want to be our MD? <laughs> Hello. Amazing. Okay. And then it's been, you know, just over a year now. And So you didn't go out and recruit specifically for an MD. It was a bit of consultancy stuff and then ended up. Yeah, but funnily enough, even about three weeks before he got in touch with us, um, we went out for dinner in uh, Baffy in Southbourne and... Um, I just said, guys, I'm I'm done on the MD thing, and I want to hunt for someone. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of a mixed reaction between the directors of, but we're all okay. But yes, I do understand there could be a couple of holes that need filling. And I was just like, trust me. First of all, I can't do it anymore. And secondly, if we do find someone with the skill set, you will notice the most amazing difference. And that difference has happened in these last twelve months, and yeah, it's good. it's really. Really amazing. And he's chained up, so he ain't going over nowhere. That's awesome. Because yeah. I think it's easy to recognise it in yourself that maybe you don't want to do that role anymore. Yeah. But to actually, you know, then then often the point is, you know, sell the company, um, but to actually go out and go, yeah, you know what, I'm still going to hang around. It does happen, but it, yeah. I don't think it happens. Uh, I don't think it happens enough. So, uh, yeah. But pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah it's congratulations. Great. It's, it's so on, cool knowing, knowing what you're good at and what you're yeah, not good at definitely. and just going, well, I suck at that. Let's get someone yeah. else to do that. And that's yeah. just plain simple. And it takes so much stress off your hands. You know, when, yeah. you're try, when you try to do something you're not any good at, that, you just put your hand up and say, I, I'm not the guy for this role, so don't yeah. hire me because I'm not that guy. I, yeah. I can do this, that, and the other really well, so let me let me focus on that. Nice. Uh, and the trajectory is still positive. I I, I, um, I read something that I think it was 2017 and you were doing just over 3 million turnover and you were hoping to get up to about five. And yeah. Is that all still kind of like... Because it, it, it strikes me in business that the market constantly pivots and changes and you kind of like you have these plans and you think it's going to happen and then you're like well where the hell did that come from and well, yeah. what's this and is it is it pretty much going like on the trajectory you expected or is it still a roller coaster it's no do you know what um steve again autosum and the rest of the finance team they're um they're really accurate on their forecasting because you base it on all of your previous years of selling so you know in the summer you're going to get a good flow from let's say april up until july august time and then september it'll flatten out a bit and then come back down again during winter so you kind of work on that but you put a let's say 10 15 20 percent growth rate on that each year depending on which customers are pending how many more stores you've been given how much npd you've done how many new products you're going to be putting on the shelf and things like that um so we're actually pretty accurate and this year yeah we are we're going to be doing uh, well over five this year which will be great Amazing. um and um and then we've got a kind of like a, a five-year forecast as well, and it's, it's it's simply applying a thirty-five percent growth rate each year, on e on each year, um, and we can do that because we've got all of international to chase. So we've got Ireland, Pe Ireland working at the moment. We've got Sweden. We're back in Dubai for the Middle East, doing some stuff over there with Spinneys. Um, so there's more and more doors that we can just keep opening. And now we've got resource and the crew to be able to do it. Um, it only gets more exciting. 
well, you know, have they responded? Has there been, is there now other use that weren't there when you started? Has there been a kind of reaction to like this kind of like the side curveball of Jimmy kind of popping up and yeah, doing his totally. rap video and taking market? And, yeah. and are they, is their response having an impact or actually is it just becoming a bigger market for everybody? Um, really cool questions. And I think it's just, you look at like um, the whole food and drink market, it's, everything's becoming very micro. So you can pick up a, a gin that's to the postcode of BH. I mean, you look at Conquer Gin doing insanely well. Um, and But you can also get one from Lilliput and you can get one from Christchurch and you can get one from Westbourne. And so it's amazing that you can actually buy whatever kind of food or drink you want pretty much almost from your next door neighbour kind of thing. Um, I think we were one of the first back in the day, you know, this is eight years ago that we went to our contract packer and said, look, we want to make iced coffee. And then people go, God, if that bearded lunatic can do it, then so can I, because I don't want to be, I don't want to work in an office anymore. There's enough risk working for a big company as there is in risk in just starting your own thing. So there's a lot more people doing it, but as there's a huge number of people coming in, there's many more barriers to entry because, you know, rather than getting one email a week saying, I want to come and work with you, getting a hundred, and then you're kind of like, right, I need to put a filter on this and understand who's actually, who's got the cash, how many boundaries can I put up, how many walls can I put up to stop these people from entering the market and stuff. You still got the original guys who are still doing their thing and they have their loyal following for one reason or another. Um, we have our following and we're quite good at making people switch from the main competitor to us, which is quite fun, just through fun USPs. Um, but yeah, it's always a battle and you've got Coke have just bought Costa. So no doubt Costa are bringing in out a nice coffee. And I personally, if there's any major chain of coffee that I that I drink, it would be Costa and I kind of like some of their products. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of products they bring out on the back of it and how we retaliate and how we try and squeeze into the marketplace and stuff. But yeah, I mean, you're always firefighting. Otherwise, you're sat in a lilo doing doing nothing, which sounds fun, but you get bored after five minutes. Yeah. So where the um, certainly in the craft beer market. So I was chatting to Steve at Arch in Wimborne a few weeks Love ago. Love that stuff. Amazing beer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's I've insane. Seen, yeah, I had two yesterday actually. Did you? Yeah. yeah, I've got some in my fridge at home. Yeah, and it's got uh, it's actually our, our brewed for us. So it's got some Nick on the front, so it's a it's a Christmas beer, and it feels like I shouldn't be drinking Santa beer anymore. But like you know, a couple of those every evening as what, I'm just what is it? What kind of beer down. is it? It's uh, uh, kind of a red red ale basically. Oh, nice. Ale. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you can come in. It's in the venues. We I said all year it's normally Angel of the Marsh, but we rebranded at St Nick for Christmas yeah cool uh, all based around smugglers yeah. and pioneers um, but the point being with the uh, big brands is that they're starting to see you know certainly in the beer section and in the gin section they kind of cotton on so they see this craft movement mm. and, and it was the same with me when I opened um, Urban Beach and it was a boutique hotel yeah. and then you know, you kind of what's a boutique hotel? And I was kind of, well, it's, you know, like five-star standards and service, but it's only 12 bedrooms. It's mm. really small, so it's really personal. Yeah. And then, you know, 18 months later, there's a 157-bedroom boutique hotel open <laughs> yeah. in town. And you're like, that ain't what? boutique. Yeah, you're kind of hanging on like, I'm boutique. I think it's French for small. I'm not sure. <laughs> we're... And then you're like, well, how do you define small? There's like a thousand-room hotel in London. And it's the same with craft. You're like, how do you define craft beer? Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of know what I think. It's not big yeah. batch produced. I sort of know who the, who the guy is owning it. Yeah. And the same in gin with Rupert, who you mentioned. I worry or, or notice that the big guys kind of come along and they start to copy some of the words that are used yeah. and some of the brands. I mean, if I hear the phrase handcrafted again, I think I'm just going to chop myself yeah, up yeah, and put myself in a cool it, box. What does it mean? But you, the trouble is, it's kind of like, what word do you use? Because then you're kind of like, well, then they have to come up with another word to use yeah. to differentiate themselves yeah. from the big players. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's kind of the point of this podcast is to get people to think about whether they're supporting the slightly more edgy, you know, entrepreneurial, interesting human being. Yeah. Who's genuinely super passionate about what they're doing and isn't just run by some boardless bunch of corporates in London who are VC 
back from a multinational kind yeah. of like load of people who are anonymous and stuff like yeah. that. So whilst you see it in the other sector, I don't suppose you know I haven't seen it in the iced coffee sector. I guess it's not so so big, but people aren't you know the the big guys with the really deep pockets mm. presumably aren't mimicking you. Are they responding already? And are they going to live to regret it because you're going to come and kick their butts? No, they're still they're still doing their thing. You know, they're still are they getting cooler. No, they're definitely not getting cooler. Um, they kind of stick to their guns on what they do, which is totally fine because um, they've got they they've established their audience and they don't necessarily need to change their audience. They just need to get more of the same audience, so they just do the same stuff. Um, where, but they don't. It's kind of it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, but we we just like to do stuff differently and do stuff better. So for for example, you know we, we use Tetra Pak at the moment, and it's it's a foil lining with a cardboard outer, and then you've got your plastic lid. And we've just made a much better plastic lid, which is sourced from the ethanol from. Um, God, why has the word just escaped me? Um, this is just not. It's basically a plant based. It's, it's a plant lid. Though, yeah, it? I it is. You, I'm sorry, I saw you, the word uh, has just completely escaped me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um. Essentially, so we do, we're trying to do better things as much as we possibly can. But so by 2020, we want to be plastic free and we want to be in a, in a, in a, in a vessel that's going to be like 100% recyclable. So something like a can for us is a really, really good thing because it's one ingredient, it's infinitely recyclable, and it's just a complete no-brainer. When you've got David Attenborough on the last series of Blue Planet 2 going, dudes, you're really messing up here, um, it's not a cool thing. And, you know, I was at, I was went down to Kimmeridge the other day with my family just to go and have a walk, and there's a beautiful waterfall there, and the sea's amazing. And I stumbled across a Tetra Pak lid, and it could have been from our carton, it could have been from someone else's carton, but I look at it and go, well, there's a potential that that could be, I could be contributing to that and that kind of doesn't make your heart sing and we want to do stuff that does make our heart sing so we have to put these things in place to be able to go do you know what let's let's do some changing and then hopefully when you tell people about it they go well i'm going to jump ship from these other companies because they're totally plastic um and it's nice to when we're already making that effort which is great but you just don't see it from the other guys so yeah hopefully that will all change okay yeah, I think it's fascinating. Sugarcane is the cap. There it is. It's sugarcane. Yeah, sugar nice. Cane. Thank you. Good. Not fossil fuels. But don't eat it. That's not... The, don't eat don't it. Eat no, because it's still plastic. It's just where it's derived from. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> I was with uh, with Joe at Bad Hand chatting about the environmental impact and the amount of work now going on with so many people to kind of like, you know, to minimise the impact of their product. And I think, you know, whilst recognising, you know, like, you know, coffee comes in from around the globe, basically, doesn't yeah. it? So, so there's, there's transport implications and stuff like that. And I don't think we should stop living but i really hope that yeah we're at a point where uh, where we can kind of change momentum it's it's tricky in in business and you know does the demand you know chicken and egg does it come from the consumer does it come from what's actually available to put your stuff in yeah i look in my sector we were chatting about this earlier but you know kind of journey uh around food and around eating meat and then i got into looking at beef farming and then i got into looking at the environmental impact of, of farming beef and mm. you kind of go oh god this was really good when i didn't know this but now i know it and you see how much kind of land on planet earth is kind of dedicated to it and a bit like you i'm kind of like i went into business because i think i'm a good guy mm. you know i want to kind of take my kids to the beach and i have a nice life yeah but i definitely didn't come on planet earth to kind of leave it in a in a, in a shitter place than when i arrived so true and the more you learn it's this real balance between kind of going okay you know with with the with the beef thing it's kind of like look we're not in a position yet where <clears> we can <throat> just turn it off and shut it down it's yeah. got to be you know people will start eating less meat when there's a better alternative yeah so when there's a really nice kind of alternative product and i think it's changing now i think we're starting to get some really kind of cool and interesting food. Yeah. We were chatting earlier about um about Ollie from lunch and the fact that, you know, he was the first guy probably with both of us who made broccoli taste like, you know, maybe better than a cheeseburger. Yeah. We like, how yeah, yeah, the hell right. did he do that? Yeah. What did he put on it? Yeah. But um And even those like um 
There's a, have you tried the Meatless Farm Co? Yeah, not yet. But yeah. Uh, yeah, well, they do like they do mints and they do burgers. And we had some of their burgers the other day, and they're off the scale. And really? there's that company Beyond Meat in the yeah, states that's, that's right. like yeah. scientifically made it look like there's yeah. you know how beef has all those strands in it. They've done mm. all that kind of stuff. And I had some of their sausages and and uh, one of their burgers at a trade show in the states the other day, and it was just like, wow, yeah. this is this is. This is really, really cool. I'd happy chop. I'd totally chop out a burger yeah. for one of those. Yeah, things. exactly. Yeah, I was listening to uh, they're called the Good Butchers in Canada the other day, and it's all right. they're, they're they're called the Good Butchers, and it's all plant based butchery, so plant based sausages and burgers and all that kind of stuff Woof. growing hugely. I mean, admittedly, they're in Canada, so I couldn't eat it, but it sounded uh, incredible. And you think, great, there you go. Now, now there's an inevitability. Now there's an alternative mm. to supply and demand, isn't it? You know. What came first? There was a bit of demand, mm. but the supply, I think, is actually changing really fast. So people are going to go, well, okay, yeah, exactly. I don't mind. I'll try that breakfast. Yeah. I'll try that meal. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's good. Point being, I suppose, yeah, you're on the case. I'm kind of on the case, but it's not an instantaneous fix, isn't it? I no, can't stop not. people eating yeah. beef burgers. As long today. as you're doing better than your next door neighbour. Like for, for us, you know, with our competitors, we're doing a lot. We're working a lot harder to make um, it a better it a better thing. Whether it's in our products or the the uh, the things that we do for CSR and 1% of our profits to charity and things like that. We know that we're doing, we're, we're working harder to make it a better, better place. Yeah. Cool. Well, good luck with that. It's exciting. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, carrying on that kind of, uh, you know, big brand kind of thing. What's your thoughts? You know, obviously I, uh, I'm particularly, we're called the Humans of Hospitality podcast. It's anything around food and drink, but I'm particularly interested in in the kind of the cafes and the bars and the restaurants and the fact, similar to um, craft beer, you know, you used to know when you walked into a big chain branded pub mm. and now they're getting better at hanging up the kind of industrial lighting and the kind of like <laughs> a, a bearded hipster behind the bar yeah, and there's yeah. a you know there's a there's a leather booth sofa and yeah. a, uh, whatever it might be they're getting better at making themselves look like the little guy until normally until you eat the food and you go this is a bit average and yeah. you look on the back of the menu and you go oh, okay cool that makes yeah. sense yeah um yeah well, i don't know what's your thoughts on that on that set is it do you think it's important to kind of try and keep the diversity or actually is that kind of you know being able to get a guaranteed uh product the best thing do you think about the support the little guy big guy kind of thing in day-to-day -day life or? yeah totally i think where we live we're so lucky to have southbourne on our doorstep where you've just got so many independents um and you can just and you know when you go there, it could be a husband and wife team or it's it's someone that you kind of know and it's nice reaching into your wallet and paying for that because you know it's going to someone that you genuinely care about. But then, you know, in the same breath, um, you've, got a, you've got a stonking hangover and you just think, do you know what, I could just nail a Pizza Express right now and you just, and you just go and do that. But um, I, I do try and err on the side of let's go and support the little guy because that's what all we try and do is ask people to go and support the little guy too. But I would never take away someone's yearning for a glass bottle Coke, for example, which is you know fundamentally one of my favourite things with a thin straw on holiday in Sri Lanka. Any day of the week, I'll have like six of them, you know, because I just I just think it's amazing. Um, but then you've always, you you do have to do that stuff with a little guy because. They're never going to be there otherwise. Yeah, it's yeah. I think the ideal scenario is, is to is to have both basically. I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Um, coming on, on on the business thing. So you you know you go and talk to schools and you you talk to the kids and try and inspire them to get into business and stuff like that. Um, I'm conscious, I suppose, again with this uh, instant generation, you can kind of you, you you can see what you want, you can see all the toys, you can see your access. Um, you you know you would dress up as a as a as a carton of coffee basically and parade around the streets to get people to kind of get interested into in your brand and, yeah and we're so kind of like 
you know, passionate and out there and, and reminded me a bit of, you know, kind of Richard Branson and the PR stunts that he would do, your rap video and all that kind of stuff. How important do you think that is? And and do you get the impression that there's this kind of, you know, that the, the, there's a lot of people who want to go into business who don't recognise just how much you've got to want it uh, and how hard it is? Or do you think actually, no, it's fine, they all get it? No, it's it's... You, I always say that with this, you have to just you got to have this like sprinkling of craziness. You got to be prepared to to really put yourself on the line, you know. Uh, and for me, it was dressing up in cartons and going to shops and bits and pieces, and you know, doing like doing talks in a carton suit in front of three hundred and fifty people. You know, just doing that on its own, let alone wearing a silly carton costume, um, is a little bit different. And it's you kind of you, you get people that want to set up a business, and you and you can just see that. They're doing it because they like the sound of being an entrepreneur. Like oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Are you really? Um, what do you? What you know? What's your thing? And I, and I don't even. I don't even like the term entrepreneur. I just no, think it's just uh, just a bit wanky. It's way more so successful now than it was. Isn't it? I go back yeah. like eight years ago. I would never have walked into a room and gone, "Hey, I'm an entrepreneur." But I'd say you're a wanker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But now you, you, there does seem to be an exception. I still don't walk into a room and go, "Hi, I'm an entrepreneur." I may no. walk into a room and go, "I sell sandwiches," or you know, yeah. "I sell cheeseburgers," or yeah, whatever. It I'm might the ice coffee guy. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it is now a thing though that seems to be acceptable. Well, as but soon as you've when, got an idea, that, I mean, if you've got an idea, then you can be an entrepreneur. So, when, well, yeah. you need to. I don't even know what one is, so. No. But I definitely know what one isn't as well. Um, serial entrepreneurs—they're the one that really bug me yeah. on LinkedIn things. What, what do you do? I'm a serial entrepreneur. Do you I'm go like, around killing people what? with good ideas? <laughs> I've got the best idea ever. Chop. What yeah. is that guy? I'm interrupting. That guy. Um, no, that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of it. It's, yeah, people kind of. Uh, I don't think they realise how ridiculously hard it is to do these things and like we were chatting offline just a second ago um about like would you ever go and do it again and you know when when jimmy's is kind of all said and done because i'm not passing it on to my children i wouldn't dare bless their <laughs> hearts um they need a slightly easier life um yeah the, i i just i can't imagine anything more tiring than going do you know what i'm I, i'm gonna set up a little um Ready to eat Mexican rice mi- microwavable pouch called something, and go and sell it to supermarkets. I'd rather throw up in my eyeballs than <laughs> than, uh, than than do it all over again. Not saying yeah. it's not fun, yeah, but absolutely. Geez, you need you need like serious battery power yeah. and. Uh, yeah, and now you you take what you've learnt, presumably. Uh, so you'd be in a different place anyway with 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 whatever came next. So yeah. I don't suppose you want to learn. You don't want to lose the knowledge uh, that you've got now. But yeah, don't want to go back and do it all again to get that knowledge. It's yeah, totally. like, is there a fast track way of getting all of that information in my head without the pain? Yeah, exactly. And there's no um. It's all about like if you're going to do something next, it's what you're not going to do versus what you want to do because you'll clear out so much rubbish from your brain about definitely what I don't want to do and I know what I don't want to do and I kind of know what I do want to do a little bit later down the line but you know we've got we've got plenty of time it's all yeah. good cool so um I think you've answered this question but you know I, I kind of wonder what happens particularly when you know you started and there's 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 no kids there's no wife and it's just you and you can put all of your energy in mm. uh, and then you get to that point where you feel overwhelmed because you might normally ask do you feel overwhelmed but you kind of said you did and that's kind of why you made the changes. Yeah. Um, do you think a lot of that came from the the complexities of that work life balance, and all of a sudden having having kind of kids in your life and stuff? Was it kind of like, look, I'm not going to waste this? What What's your yeah. thoughts on how you carry on being a driven entrepreneur and have a family? It it is it is fundamentally getting that getting all of your ducks in a line and actually getting your business to a point where you can take the time to. A enjoy like even if it's even if you don't have a family but you want to go surfing every day then 
go surfing for the two hours in the morning every day because if it if it clears your head and you suddenly get a new idea about a new tangent in business and that's going to be the best way to do it and if you but then it's also hiring the right people and then without the right people here or without anyone here then it would be Susan and I doing all we could possibly can to drive the business forward but you can't do everything but as soon as you've got all the right people in place then you can take that time to actually get a breather and enjoy what you know life actually has to offer and that's for me that is dropping the kids off at school and being able to go and pick them up and you know taking the day off to go and get some inspiration with our creative guy up in london and things like that is what makes is what drives me now it's not about necessarily sales sales are great but that's managed by someone else um us is about how we really enjoy the business journey and what's the next kind of big thing for us mm. and i think you've always stuck to your guns i remember so many of your videos and interviews you know started with you on southbourne uh, clifftop or overlooking the sea or in a wetsuit is that still the case that kind of that link to the beach you know you it never looked at any point that you were kind of going to go, go big and move to london it's always been that your your no, heart looks like it's by the seaside always here yeah always here and i think even I mean, a classic example, there's a, there's a real cool coffee company in the States out of Portland, Oregon called Stumptown. And they champion Oregon as a place to live, grow up, do business because they've got amazing hills, they've got surf, they've got amazing wildlife and they champion it. And we just do, and it's, we're not using them as an example because we started before them. Um, but, you know, being down here, you've got, you've got such amazing stuff on your doorstep that you want to show people. And if it is a picture of the sea every day, you might be showing that to someone who lives in a real nasty part of town or up in London where they don't get to see the sea. They just open up their curtains and they've got a brick wall in front of them. If they can log on to Instagram that morning and see exactly what the sea was doing two minutes ago, then that makes them a happier person too because the sea is undeniably one of the most amazing things on the planet. And to be able to see that just for a split second each day kind of makes you go, okay, do you know what? Everything's pretty cool and you want to be able to share that stuff with people. Mm. Our area is... This part of the world, this part of the UK in particular, is just... It's mind-boggling. When you've got the New Forest, you've got the Purbex, you've got the Beach, you've got the Isle of Wight, you've got Mudderford, you've got Southbourne, you've got great, really cool people who will happily chat to you in the post office queue, who will happily say good morning when you walk by them when you're going for a jog down the beach. People are really... There are a lot of life enthusiasts down here in the south, and I fucking love that. Mm. Yeah, same. I used to run Harrow Leisure Centre in, uh, in London. It was a big... <laughs> Big grey building, big ugly car park, and I'd have to commute all the way across London to get to it. And now, you know, my commute to work is down the zigzag onto the beach, and yeah. I get I get to Urban Reef. How badass is that? And, and, actually, and so I don't even need to get there because Kay, our amazing bakers, in there five o'clock every morning taking yeah. pictures of the sunset. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, sunrise at that time. They're yeah. both sunset, depending on how late she's uh, yeah she's gone out. Um, <laughs> And you just never tire of it. Every day, you know, the sea looks different, the sky looks different. I, you know, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Absolutely. And that love point it. of the clifftop as well, it's actually really nice and high. And you, mm. there's always birds below you flying. And that perspective of the sea, you know, I sound real hippie ish, but you kind of like, you can't gulp it in enough. You can't take it in enough. And that's why it's so amazing because you never, it ne you're never satisfied enough. You can just keep absorbing it. Yeah. And that's just like, yeah, it's it is. it's insane. It is stunning. Um, and social media, you mentioned then about, or I, or I did, you know, the K takes the pictures and posts it on Facebook. You seem to have built the brand off the back of your kind of like, you know, your your social presence. So Instagram and, and Facebook and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Is that still the case? Is that still where most of the kind of like the conversation happens? Or now 
is it is it more going you know to the to the uh, to the providers and the suppliers and kind of them doing it or is it still all about you guys on social it's 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 a mix of everything um, we still have to push our social stuff as much as we can i've um i did our social i ran all of our social media from well for about f- nearly 6 years and do you know what uh, replying to every single thing on twitter getting all of your messages your check-ins on facebook your reviews Every, every comment on YouTube, you know, if you don't comment back, they're like, oh, my God, what's the point of posting something if they're not going to talk to me? And I totally understand that. You know, you've got to be there for them. But, man, that's exhausting stuff. You know, you're trying to run a company and you're answering uh, how many calories are in an original, for example, which don't ask me now. Um, it can it can just be that, – that's one of those kind of overwhelming things. And I've actually – I had my own accounts of my own Instagram, my own Twitter and my own Facebook and my own LinkedIn. And I actually erased them all except for my Twitter one and – God, the, the the feeling is so nice because I I kind of addicted to it and it's just it's just not cool at the end of the day you can you can look at great pictures of waterfalls people doing backflips chicks in bikinis dudes surfing all this kind of stuff but you're still sat there with your neck craned down wanting to be someone else and that's such a load of shit put your phone down and go for a walk and go and do something different yeah. But, I mean, we, we still have to play in that space because there's people who still love that and it's a great way of communicating. But there's again, it's finding that balance. Yeah. I always struggle to... I'm the same. You know, we've got so many accounts. Every business has got an account. Then they've got the account on Twitter, on Instagram, yeah. on Facebook. I've got my own personal stuff. And I'm like, I just can't keep up with it. I yeah. Use, yeah, use it weightless. I think I think the kids in particular, I think they're going to get to an age where they're just going to go and turn it off because they're going to go, look, I lost my parents to those screens. You know, they came around in an era and we don't know how to manage it. Yeah, you know, we kind of got, yeah, we've exactly. all got these we little... Got a clue how to we don't know what to do. And I think they're going to kind of get to to, to 20 and go hey like I just remember my parents kind of like staring at these little screens yeah. and like I wanted them to come and you know play they just probably listen don't. they to probably me. just want to go on the Xbox yeah. in reality yeah. but uh, I think yeah they'll, they'll, hopefully there'll be they'll, they'll either be a backlash or actually we'll just work it out you yeah. know, we're the first generation to have yeah. had this, this challenge and issue it'll be amazing we? to see how it pans out I mean, we, yeah. um, we, were, we went to Jersey just before Christmas to go and see Sophie's mum and dad and we're sat in the airport and we just bought a couple of pads and some colouring pencils for the kids and we were helping them draw sharks and all this kind of stuff and this lady came up to us and she said I'm I really I'm sorry to interrupt but I I just wanted to say I'm it's so refreshing to see parents sitting with their kids teaching them how to draw rather than both kids on iPads and both parents on the phones you're just like this is this is so nice to see and we're like oh well thanks that's and we do that quite a lot with the kids we're kind of anti giving them phones and bits and pieces and it's it's um it's so much more rewarding. Yeah. And you get less tantrums because, yeah, I mean, you see the kids in front of the TV. You know, my kids can navigate themselves their way around Netflix. And, you know, when growing up in Dubai, we just had Channel 33, and that would only come on at half past four in the afternoon. Whereas these kids can come down like half past seven in the morning and choose between 60 different cartoon characters. And when it's two of them, one of them wants jungle bum and the other one wants something else and they're fighting over it at half past seven you're like jeez what are we doing yeah this yeah. is crazy and they've got no idea what live tv is you know like my wife is that on now and like, you know, my daughter's <laughs> like what and, and even last night yeah na- navigating around the tv for her but we're the same we i mentioned earlier so i feel like i mentioned it twice but you know we've got the caravan we go off camping in the forest and i love yeah, that's right and we have a um we have a no tech rule you know so we sit there and we play cards and we draw stuff and, yeah. and and try and make sure we do it we're by no means um no means perfect but favorite yeah, camping spot 
Um, I really like, there's a place called Matley Wood in the New Forest. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. Which is um, yeah, not far away, which is one of the reasons I like it, but it's also got no facilities. It's not, it's, there's no part, there's no toilet, there's nothing. Oh, cool. Uh, it's right, it's, it's in a kind of little crevice in the forest. I can't believe I'm telling people this now because what I like about it is there's no other bugger there, Jimmy. It's brilliant. And now it's packed and now they've got a toilet it's block. Be packed. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can only get about 50 pictures. Disco. I say that one, that's my, that's my favourite local one because you can get right into the trees, into the forest. It's not pitches, you know, right. so you can just kind of like, yeah, it feels and a bit like you can put off-road button on the disco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, days, yeah. You can ride, drive through a puddle. <laughs> My other one uh, is a place in uh, in Coniston, um, a place called Pier Cottage okay. um, in the Lake District. And you can you can, uh, you can can camp as far away as uh, we are with each other now, which is, you know, three, four foot from the water. It's only, again, takes about 12 pitches. So you're, oh. you're right on the waterfront. You look out over Lake Coniston. It's my happy place. It is so calm. And, and I love the fact that, you know, you wake up in the morning there and, and it's like a mirror. The you lake, take the caravan up there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take it like that. And it's surrounded by mountains. So, you know, I paddle out on the kayak or go out on the paddleboard out to the middle of Lake Coniston. Oh, woof. You, you, you can hear nothing. You look around you, and I can literally visualize it now as I talk about it. You sort of see the, the sunset reflecting off the rocks high up on the peaks yeah. nearby. If you and did a big you, do you get a massive echo all around yeah, you? Kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. That, that is what we, probably not, yeah, Milford Sound in New Zealand, but that, I can't take my caravan there. Yeah. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite places on planet Earth. The yeah. middle of of Lake Coniston mm-hmm. on my kayak, kayak on my own might let the dogs swim out to me yeah. on a good day and have a little bit. not that I, you cool. know, I love my kids and my wife but just those yeah that like half an hour in the middle of Lake yeah. Coniston oh, right um, last just just getting to the end um, it's kind of the what's next piece really I'm, I'm really excited that you've kind of like got a team around you now I remember seeing you yeah, if it was 18 months ago maybe two years and thinking oh, you know for the first time there was a, just a little bit where you thought that, that kind of like relentless enthusiasm and passion that you need I thought for the first time well jimmy looked a bit tired today and i don't think i've ever seen you apart from like on like 300 percent yeah uh and and i remember touching on whether you would like whether you'd sell it and somebody would come and buy it out and yeah. stuff like that and whether you could maintain that kind of energy and enthusiasm you needed yeah. so it looks good now that you've got a team around you and you found a new role yeah so what's next what's the dream scenario how does the next five years plan out are you going to sell it tomorrow or are you going to carry on this trajectory we're not we're not going to sell it tomorrow um but we do there's there's two there's two two prong attack here one is um you've only got a certain number of years on this planet and um i like chapters you know i did 18 years in dubai i'm in my 19th year in the uk um i'd love to go and do another 18 years someone else with somewhere else with my kids um but i can't because i've still got iced coffee to be dealing with um so ideally in the next few years it would be nice to be able to part ways with it on a high and kind of high five the company and go thanks for such a great time and pass it on to someone who believes in what we believe and um still does and does even better for what we want to do um so whether that's partnering with a big trade company or or someone who wants to take it on that would be that's kind of like the goal in the next few years and people it's interesting you tell people that sometimes and they go oh you're just a big sellout you're this that and the other but unless you know then you don't know do you know what i mean and um it's i've had such a great time and i think it's kind of like within the next three years it would be, i'd love to see someone pick it up and go kaboom with it and it's mm. it's funny when you start a food or drinks company just like you would start a rock band or a pop band or whatever you're always going to have your superstar so you'll have your Beyonce you'll have your Eminem and you have that same thing within the food industry and it, and you go through these funnels and eventually one of them will just go pop and turn into something mega stardom kind of like your the Vita Coco and the innocence of this world they just right time right place a little bit of luck amazing management team amazing crew and then they just get to stardom and and we're we're not the headline act, but we're kind of 
we're in another massive dance tent, for example, and I don't want to ever play in a local pub. I don't want to. I don't want to lose that, and I want to keep that projection going. And one of the one of the most sensible ways to do that is to partner with someone bigger who can pull you up that ladder and then chuck you onto the main stage. And if we can get that, then that would just be sick as balls that'd be really amazing cool. yeah amazing yeah i love that that uh, that analogy uh well good luck with that i i uh, yeah i'll be fascinated <laughs> yeah. to see and i think you're right <laughs> unless you, you you know you don't get it unless you get it and as a, as a fellow entrepreneur who's kind of like 14 years for us you know doing what we do yeah. uh i think it's not about doing nothing but it's about creating space you know you're full of other ideas and full of other things you could be doing and it's that yeah. opportunity cost of doing this means yeah what would you be doing if you weren't doing this and yeah. taking that time out and seeing it as another chapter totally I think so important to to allow yourself that kind of freedom because who knows what amazing cool shit creative stuff would come out of you if yeah. you weren't doing this so yeah, I think yeah yeah, art, you know, um, you're curating that opportunity to, yeah. to, to do that. And that's so already important. happening. Already got some really rad ideas, which I'll talk about way later down the line. But it's nice to have that little bit of brain space to go, oh, I've got a bit of space free to think about that's exciting and this is really exciting. Yeah. What's actually really, really important? And Is it a small Mexican pouch of food called something that you're going to sell in? Tesco's. It's no. not. Okay. Unfortunately. Well, I just thought I'd check. Yeah, I just thought I'd check. <laughs> um, how many cat? No, I'm not going to. Uh, cool. Well, look, I'd love to come back and, and have that conversation yeah, that'd uh, be cool. in the future that'd be around what's going to come next. Uh, where can people find out more about you or Jimmy's and all the kind of stuff? Where should they be heading? Um, just standard. Just jump online and and type us in, and you'll find us on every pretty pretty much every platform apart from Snapchat, which I actually got myself the other day, just so I can do the, the you know how you can change your face on it. Yeah. So no, I just I say yes. I just I no. Oh, I, no I just sit with my kids and we just change our face, and it changes your voice as well. So over really? the Christmas period, we were just howling, ah, cool. just making these these stupid faces. I've got one pending request, which I'm still not Brilliant. um doing, but just that whole facial thing is. Yeah. I downloaded myself. it about six months ago to try. And get my head around it when everyone said you needed to and I spent 10 minutes trying to work it out and went yeah, shit I'm old forget it. I yeah. don't actually know what I'm, I'm doing I'm totally in your camp uh, yeah. and I, I was a bit slightly disappointed and then quite excited because I was like well that's one that I don't have to worry about it because I can't I can't. I, it's not like I don't want to use it I can't use yeah, it amazing. I don't know how yeah, brilliant so, uh, barrier. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I deleted it so yeah. cool but there yeah so online and then um, and then you can find us here at our unit or you can find us in pretty much every supermarket except for co-op and Asda damn you to Hades uh, no we love you really um, but yeah pretty much every other retailer you can go in and, and uh, snap and in, us and up. in Waterloo Station from when was it? we're going to be there from uh, this Monday for two okay. weeks that's not going to work because there's no way this podcast is going to be out before this Monday and thank you for not dating it because who knows when this Monday is but yeah. if you go Happy to Waterloo 2042 yeah, yeah. yeah if you go to Waterloo on Monday especially for this uh, I'm sorry uh, <laughs> Unless you're about still eight there. years too late. Yeah, yeah. In which case, that's fine. Cool. Well, look, it's uh, it, it's genuinely been so excited to kind of share a town with you, let alone share an industry, <laughs> and see what you do and what you get up to. Um, you know, you're you're one of the lo- local kind of dudes and legends. So thank you for sparing the time. Thanks for coming and, in, man. Um, it's great yeah, to see we'll you. Yeah, we'll catch up again soon. Yeah. Cheers, Jimmy. Wrong. Cheers, man. So there you have it. You have reached the end of another episode of the Humans of Hospitality podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
please go and visit our website humansofhospitality.co.uk for the show notes and extra episodes and information and whilst you're there don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and to receive free materials all about the humans behind our incredible industry lastly if you could subscribe rate and review this podcast you will be massively helping me out and it would be hugely appreciated thank you so much we'll be launching another podcast in just seven days time cheers Thank you.